Welcome to episode number 29 of the Four Animals for Earth podcast, Exotic Animals, Rescue, and Advocacy with Kristen Burford. It's kind of funny because when I started, um, there were no women really doing what I did, working the big cats, um, the big alligators, the venomous stuff. I was like a novelty thing. That was Kristen from Apopka, Florida, talking about her early years in helping exotic animals. She runs the Care Foundation, which is an exotic animal rescue and wildlife education facility near Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. I first visited Care with my mother and father-in-law and my kids on a trip to Orlando, and we did a tour around the property and met so many animals. My kids are always asking to go back. And then fate brought me back again to the Care Foundation property when I was studying to become an animal Reiki teacher with the Shelter Animal Reiki Association. And then it's so crazy. Once again, through a mutual friend, I met Kevin Rose, who runs the Catalyst program there on CARES property, which is a program to help combat veterans integrate back into their daily lives upon returning home. Needless to say, CARE has a part of my heart. And I have to tell you guys, I am just blown away by Kristen. The simple idea for today's episode is don't buy fur. Simple as that. There's no point, there's no reason for the cruel industry, and we do not need to support it. For the links to everything that we talk about today, as well as how you can help Kristen and CARE, and the programs that I just mentioned will all be in the show notes at fouranimalsforearth.com slash podcast slash 29. And before we start, I just want to give a quick shout out to all of you who have left a review. Thank you so much. It means the world to me to have your help. I really, really appreciate it. And I also want to say thank you to Amy and Megan who have gone through our five-day challenge and signed up for our private community. I am so excited to have you guys there. If you're interested in the lifestyle challenge, go to fouranimalsforearth.com slash lifestyle challenge. Okay, you guys, I cannot wait any longer to introduce you to Kristen. Let's go. Hi there, this is Brandy, and you're listening to the Four Animals for Earth podcast. This is a space where we inspire each other to take small steps every day to live a more conscious life, helping animals and the planet while we do it. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all take a deep breath, and let's get started. It probably feels like chaos to you, but then from someone from the outside, like it doesn't at all. It's like you drive out into the country. I call it the country, but you know, into kind of like swamp land slash forest land in the middle of Florida. And you go down this little gravel road and you end up in this, um, this I can only describe as like a beautiful sanctuary that opens up in the trees and you live there with how many animals roughly about 200 yeah if you count all the pigeons and the snakes and about 200 so okay. <laughs> Kristen and about 200 animals 
in this area and they're animals of all different kinds of species, all different kinds of personalities. And what is so neat about your place is that you know every single one of these animals so well that I, as a person from the outside, you can kind of feel their personalities and their, um, their spirits, I guess their animal spirits that just permeate that whole property. And it's just really cool, um, to come in and visit and to see you in action. I, I say like, I, I liken you to like a superhero. I don't really know who else has the ability <laughs> to do <In> chaos. <laughs> I mean, it's like you can operate in the chaos though. You're able to just kind of move from one animal's need to another. It never stops yeah. like 24 hours a day. Something is going on and you, you are able to just dedicate your life to helping them. And I just find that so amazing. So I'm just Thank so excited you. to introduce you. To Thank everyone you. today. Great. So let's let's um, actually let me bring up one thing really fast. Okay. So Care Foundation is our charity of the month this month. So what that means for everybody who is watching or listening, we're all coming together as a community to jump over and just help Kristen out. So follow her on social media, like things that she's posting, share them, donate if you can, just pitch in to give Kristen and Care our support this month. So that's what we're doing as the charity of the oh, month. Thank you. You, you have no idea how much that helps. I think um, a lot of times we underestimate how much we can help by just sharing things on social media. Right. Don't you think? Yeah. yeah we, uh, we do tours out here and a lot of the tours are word of mouth. People that have been out here or seen the videos and all, it helps out tremendously every little bit, especially now with all the COVID stuff going on. Yeah. So tell me a bit about what, what I want to ask you two questions on that. Okay. The tours that you do, let's start with that. What are the different tours that you have that people can come visit and see this kind of picture that I've just painted? Right, right. We do, um, we do group tours. So we do, um, we do some like Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, things like that. Um, and then we also do something called um, Keeper for the Day or Caretaker for the Day. That's for two people. And that um, that's for a lot of times people that think they want to work with animals and that kind of thing. That's kind of an all day thing. And we actually take you in with several of the animals. You can take pictures, but you're also actually um, helping clean and kind of getting a feel for what we do. But it's specifically with animals that enjoy that kind of interaction and that we know is not a problem. Um, like we teach you to train a serval. We have an African serval that has certain behaviors and you can hand feed them. Um, you can go in with our strange group, our um, raccoon Louise and her three house cats and Hannibal the bobcat. Um, we work with the foxes with the people. So that's, that's another tour. And then we have the King of the Jungle tour, which is our most popular. Um, it's for up to six people. It's a hundred dollars, but you get a tour of the whole facility. You get um, hands-on with two of the animals. You get to see the tigers eat. So um, it's, it's really interactive. And then we do special things for like birthdays and anniversaries, um, like meet and greets with Amos or spider monkey, famous Amos. That's what we call them. So yeah, it's, and we do other things too. We've, we actually, Amos actually presented a girl with a ring for an engagement. Aww. 
crazy. And we did a wedding. That was a lot of fun. So we, we're starting to kind of branch out. We do a lot of birthday parties too. We have a picnic area. So um, we bring, we have what we call the party animals that the kids can pet and hold and everything. So yeah, we were kind of branching out a little bit, but the tours really help. I love the idea of bringing children there for a birthday party, number yeah. one, because that's such a like simple easy thing to do to provide you a ton of help and, um, introduce animals to children in a way that is, uh, respectful and through the lens of everything that y'all can teach. Right. Yeah. We trick them them into learning things. Yeah. So (laughs) they don't even realize learning and that at the end we ask what your favorite animal is and why and everything. And yeah, so we have a lot of fun with that. I love that. And for, you know, you're located, what, maybe 45 minutes north of Disney? Yeah. Is that about right? Yep. Not far at all. So, so people could, these tours that you mentioned, this is something that even tourists who are Mm -hmm. traveling to central Florida could make part of their itinerary and come spend a day or half a day with you. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I hope that some people who are listening and watching are going to consider that because yeah, we've actually is... had people come um, year after year, especially the Europeans that gen- that usually come to Florida once a year. And we've had them come every year to see what's changed, what's, you know, how certain animals have grown and everything. So it's really cool. It, they become like family. We recognize their voice when they call and yeah, we do a little extra stuff for them. So yeah, we even have some locals that they'll come bring like one set of grandchildren one time, another set. So we have a lot of fun with that, especially returning people. We do extra special things for them and we, we genuinely appreciate the help. And, you know, it's such a win-win because the, the people who are visiting you are getting just as much, if not more than the the support that you're getting mm-hmm. through word of mouth and through the donations and through the cost of the tours, right. all of that keeps you operating and they get just as much yeah. in terms of the experience. So yeah. it's, it's a win-win for everybody. It is. And we're so lucky to have such a good group of animals that even the A team and B team that are hands-on that the B team isn't so much hands-on, but loves interacting with people in other ways. And just having those type of animals that are so well behaved that enjoy it, genuinely enjoy it. It's, it's a special thing. That really is. And can you, can you tell us who's on your A team, who's on your B team to give everybody an idea of what you mean by animals who enjoy this interaction? Um, Well, we've got both A team and B team like traveling. Um, The A team consists of mainly my one alligator Brutus and my other one, Gilly. Uh, very well behaved. Don't mind being held by people. Um, I've got several snakes. I know that's not your favorite, but several snakes on the A team. Um, I've got skunks on the A team. These are all animals that I can hand off to children. Um, several of them work with autistic and special needs kids. Uh, the B team are ones that like to travel, like to show off in front of people like Rosie, our little white faced capuchin. She is amazing. She knows several behaviors. She, her nickname is the happy monkey because she'll come out and she'll look all grumpy, but then I'll say happy monkey and she'll smile and she'll jump and get everybody excited. But she's one that um, she loves men, but does not like being contacted by women or kids. There's only three of us women that work with her, but she loves going out and showing off in front of people. 
So um, she's a good example of a B team animal because she loves going out, but just, I can't hand her off to just anybody. So things like that. And yeah, we're very lucky to have them. So. Yeah, that, and you know, it's, um, you say you're really lucky to have them. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with them feeling comfortable mm-hmm. because they have you and your volunteers that right. work there with you and they're in an environment that they feel safe. Right. Um, how do animals end up there with you? Uh, a lot of them are ex-pets. Um, some are confiscated by the state. We work closely with fish and game. Um, if somebody illegally has something or is not taking care of it, then uh, a lot of times it'll come to us. Um, a lot of times it's just personal surrenders. Um, I just had several snakes, a skink and a tarantula turned into us because the person couldn't afford to keep them anymore. And um, we were lucky to get them because honestly, two of the snakes were not in the best condition. And this person thought they were in great condition. Um, so I, I was very glad we got those in when we did. Um, but yeah, a lot of them are just animals that people bought. Impu- impulse buying is a bad thing. I mean, it happens all the time. It's cute. It's cuddly. It's like the bunnies and ducks at Easter. And then when they start getting bigger and everything, people don't want them anymore. So um, monkeys, everybody thinks monkeys are so great and everything. And some states, you don't even need a license for a monkey. And they go out and get these animals and then realize it's not all fun and games and it can be a serious situation. Several of the animals we've gotten in have attacked their owners. So yeah, then they're just done with them. So things like that. And most of them are ex-pets. What would you say that if someone is thinking of getting an exotic animal as a pet, what things should they think through? And do you feel like you should give it like at least a three month, six month yeah. like waiting period while you really think through this? Like yeah. what else would you say? Absolutely. In fact, um, Fish and Game now sends me people that think they want monkeys. And I got one person that thought they wanted a tiger, even though you can't have tigers um, legally in Florida, unless you're a business. Um, the best thing I can say is do a lot of research and work hands on with somebody that has that animal. Because you can be the most book smart person in the world. Um, I've worked with biologists that are some of the smartest people I've ever worked with, but put them in a situation with an animal hands on and it goes south really fast. So, you know, if you're even considering it, find somebody that has that animal and work with them hands on with that animal. If you can, you know, learn the cleaning, learn, and you got to consider veterinary too. There are more exotic vets than there used to be but it is expensive to put it plainly. And you have like, like I've got the tigers, you have a sick tiger, you better be able to deal with it and figure out a way to handle it. And, you know, not all of them can go right to the vet and it's, you've got to figure that out before you get the animal. And some animals are just delicate. Like I had somebody that was convinced they wanted one of those marmosets, the really small monkeys and all. And I said, do you realize how delicate, if it even catches a chill, you might not notice how sick it is. And before you know it, it's dead. So you really have to get to know the species, the personalities and, and know what you're getting into the proper food and how often to feed the snakes that came in, they were way underweight. Two of the three were way underweight. And that's just, she had the right size for the right size food for the bigger snake. And yet it was way underweight. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, how often did she feed this animal? Obviously not enough. So there's a lot of things to consider, um, parasites that the animal could possibly get, uh, the type enclosure it needs. 
Um, I was helping somebody move yesterday. They have lemurs and kinkajous and she has a couple that are just very aggressive animals, all ex-pets. She does what I do too, taking ex-pets and um, I'm going to help her build uh, lockdown areas for them so she can safely go in and clean or have her volunteers go in and clean and not have to worry about being attacked. But that's all a part of getting these type animals is realizing the type environment they need also and safety procedures. That's so is that something that someone could learn like volunteering mm-hmm. with you? How do how do you go about taking in volunteers? Because I'm sure that. I would assume at least you have a process because I would imagine, I don't know, I'm guessing 10% of people who sign up and say, I want to volunteer actually end up wanting to stick around and volunteer. So how does your process look for like bringing volunteers in if they wanted to learn with you? Right. Honestly, we, we haven't had new volunteers in a long time with certain exceptions. Um, right now we've got such a solid group of senior volunteers that have been with me a long time. Um, I have a dry erase board on the front porch and myself and the assistant director, all we have to do is write down which animals need to be cleaned and what needs to be done. I don't have to babysit them. They know all the procedures and everything they can go. They'll check it off when they're done. I don't have to worry about it. So, um, given the fact that it takes so much because we have, we honestly have deadly animals, animals that can kill somebody we don't take very many new volunteers. Um, when we do, it's an orientation process. They have to pay a fee just to be here. Um, they get most of that back if they continue to volunteer. But so often we have people that want to volunteer that think they're just going to come in and, and play with the animals and stuff like that. And it's like, no, you're going to work and you're going to be teamed up with senior volunteers and all. So we haven't done an orientation in a long time just because I've got such a solid group now I don't want to weigh my my good volunteers down with having to babysit and, and train. Um, the only exceptions we take in right now are either people that Fish and Game does send us. I'm happy to work one-on-one with them. And then um, like vet techs or people going to vet school and all that um, because they're going to need that hands-on. And I actually have a vet tech that just moved onto the property. And I have another vet tech that volunteers. So um, they're very handy to have around. And um, so we'll go out of our way to accommodate people like that or somebody that's in the biology field that's already, you know, trying to do this. Um, But yeah, we very rarely take new volunteers because of the type animals we have and because we're so hands-on with the animals. That makes sense. Um, Can you talk about the, some of the animals you have, you know, I don't, we haven't actually mentioned the fact that, you know, you have tigers on property, you have a liliger on property. There's different panthers, different cats, different monkeys. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you can talk about what, what the animals you have on property and why it's so important to you that safety is like the number one thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, just in general, like I said, we've got animals that can kill somebody. So there are safety procedures we follow in all. Um, the Liger that you mentioned, he's only just over three years old and over 700 pounds. Biggest baby ever. And several of us go in with them. Most of the volunteers can go in with them because they've been around him since he's been, you know, tiny. I raised him in the house. They all had hands on with helping raise him. So he's one of the exceptions to the rule. And one of our tigers also um, she was raised the same way and several of the volunteers go in with her. 
um, the monkeys there, there's, you know, certain, the personalities are all different too. There are certain monkeys, like certain birds also that, um, prefer certain people and everything. And we always tell the volunteers, don't, don't take offense if, you know, the personalities clash, um, and you can't work with that particular animal, but there's several others. Um, but yeah, we're, we're extremely lucky. I always say, uh, we don't discriminate. We take in just about anything. Um, I haven't counted lately, but I think I've got like 27 different state license and one federal, um, and fishing game loves us because if there's a situation that happens, we're like one-stop shopping. Um, they don't have to take, you know, certain animals to certain facilities over here. And then over there, um, we can almost always accommodate them with whatever they get in that they need help with. So, um, yeah, a lot of facilities either just deal with reptiles or just deal with big cats or, you know, they specialize. And even with the reptiles, it's kind of funny because you have some places that just deal with venomous, some just with non-venomous. And here we deal with pretty much almost anything. So, and our volunteers are exceptional. They come in wanting to learn, you know, all the species. And then if somebody has a particular animal they really like, or they want to learn more about, you know, I'll work hands on with them on that. So yeah, we're, we're very um, open to a lot of varieties. In fact, a place I went yesterday, I've gotten to be good friends with uh, people at other places. And it's funny because they have the opposite animals of us. So he came up to volunteer and learn more about the animals. We have the big cats, the monkeys, all of that. And I went down yesterday and they've got, um, they've got sloths, they've got kangaroos, they've got camels. So I was working with him. So we're sharing information. And that's something that I feel is very important that the sanctuaries help each other out. And we, we, you know, we basically share information and you never know what's going to come in. I'm full up on reptiles and he took the three snakes that came in, but he's worked with snakes before and he knows, you know, any questions he can call me. So yeah, we all try to work together and everything. It's very important, I think. Is there a strong network of the sanctuaries to be able to work together? I know someone, um, Amy Venorio, she was on, let me get this right, episode 16 and 17 of the podcast, and she runs a wildlife rehab in Kentucky. And right. she was talking about, you know, sister sanctuaries. Yes, that's and what I call them. Coming together. Yeah. Is it? That's exactly, I've got my sister sanctuaries too. That's what I was doing yesterday is helping one of them relocate. So yeah, um, it's kind of funny because when I started, um, there were no women really doing what I did, working the big cats, um, the big alligators, the venomous stuff. I was like a novelty thing, but um, it was also very backstabbing back then. Like it it was horrible. It was, you know people would literally undermine other groups and talk bad about them and try to get their animals taken away. It was, it was horrible. And it's come full circle finally where people are learning, Hey, we all need to stick together. And unfortunately um, what started that movement was because some of the laws, the wildlife laws were changing And the groups realize, hey, we need to stick together or we're going to lose animals. We're going to, you know, regulations are going to go against us that shouldn't be. Um, And there's one person um, that does have animals that is responsible for a lot of that that stuff. And to this day, she will backstab other people and nobody in the industry. You know, I, I will be totally honest. If she needed help with her animals, 
she could call me. If she falls down and is dying in front of me, I'm going to forget to call 911. <laughs> it's just, I hate to be mean. And that's the only person I'd ever say that about. But she is carrying on that stereo, that old stereotype of, I should be the only one to own this stuff. And it's horrible. And it's, it's so nice now that, you know, um, the sanctuary I was helping out yesterday, they came up here, they, before they became nonprofit, they, they needed help starting that they needed information. And I've helped, I think three now start their nonprofits and help guide them. And yeah. And it's, it, that's how it should be. That's exactly how it should be. I came up when I came up with all my stuff, I was on my own. Nobody was helping me. Nobody thought I should be doing this and everything, but yeah, I persevered through it. And now, you know, I feel it's my duty to help others. So that's, you know, that's amazing. And I love the thought of everyone working together and I'm picturing it, you know, you have all of you who are running sanctuaries and then you have all of us who can support you and you can just right. feel this kind of like big enclosed circle of people that right. can really come together and work together to help all of these right. animals. And, um, it's, it's nice to hear you describe that you feel like it's, it's moving in that direction yeah. where people are working together. It's all about the animals and that's how it should be. If you, if your heart's in the right place, you shouldn't have a problem helping somebody else that's doing the same thing. Honestly, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. How did you tell us a little bit about your story? Because, you know, I have wondered is like, how, how do you end up there with 200 animals running this sanctuary? It, yeah, it, it's kind of funny because um, I've always had weird animals sometimes that my parents didn't even know about. And uh, <laughs> um, I've always worked with um, several different people learning different animals and all and I can read them really well. I don't have a fear. I have a respect, but not a fear. Um, so I've been able to work with some hard to place animals that weren't treated well. And um, when I was working with this big cat trainer, he was doing shows. He was dragging big cats into schools and all. Um, but nobody was doing the Florida native stuff. And here in Florida, we have such a unique opportunity um, for all these different animals. Um, like in our backyard, literally a child can walk out their backyard run into a rattlesnake, run into a raccoon, an alligator, um, you know, pretty much almost anything. And nobody was doing that education in schools. So that's what I started with, with was just Florida native animals and teaching safety and what to do, you know, if you run into them and what makes a good pet, what doesn't, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, then people found out about the licensing I had and started dumping ex-pets. So that's when I became nonprofit and started doing that that part of it. And then it just got acting. Oh. That's how I put it. It just went from there. So, so they say out of control or absolutely perfect. Yeah. I, I <laughs> wouldn't say same. perfect, but a work in progress. Definitely. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. So. Um, how has COVID it's, it's hard to believe it's been almost a year now yeah. um, since COVID happened. How has that impacted you? Um, yeah. Have things changed permanently in any way or, um, and just how has it impacted you? Um, as far as, as permanently, uh, yeah. In one aspect, it looks like, um, we, we used to do, uh, wildlife shows at an airboat place and a restaurant, um, for people coming off of cruise ships. 
obviously there's going to be no cruise ships for a long time. And the um, company that was doing the tours um, that were bringing the people from the ships to us, they're no longer around because of COVID. So I don't know that we'll ever have that back again. Um, since this whole thing happened, initially we lost over 50 jobs. And that's how we were bringing in money for the animals. In fact, um, myself and the assistant director, our animals, because we have an A team and B team, we have backups also. So the animals were getting changed out, but she and I were, were literally, pardon the expression, but busting our butts, going out doing extra shows and all, because we were trying to get um, money to put aside for the property next door um, that a friend of mine owns. It has a warehouse on it. It has um, a mobile home on it. It's um, good acreage that we could really use. I could turn the warehouse into storage and a full kiss, a kitchen facility. Um, we had that money put away. And like a week before COVID hit, I was about to go into negotiations to buy the property. And something told me when COVID hit, wait and see how this plays out. And luckily I did because that was our survival money. So yeah, so that's, that's gone. I mean, the property's still there. But, you know, the possibility any time of buying that property is, is totally out. So and we, you know, every once in a while we've got um, Camara, our Liger. We're building him a new place. And like I said, he's over 700 pounds. We're building him a new area, his new housing lockdown area. That project started. I think we we started that in June and it's still not done because the money's just not there. And we've been building little by little. But right now, most of the money goes to being put aside for medical or food. So, yeah, it's it's hit us extremely hard, like all the other places, too. It's not just ours. So most of the places I know, um, fortunately, have small animals and they're surviving on, you know, donated produce and stuff. We get donated produce, too, which helps a lot. We also get donated meat now. We just hooked up with um, Second Harvest Food Bank. And they're helping us out tremendously in that regard. But yeah, um, we all need money at this point, all the sanctuaries, not just ours. And yeah, it's a serious situation. So if anybody has a sanctuary near them, just, you know, it, it doesn't have to be much. I have um, some people that started donating $5 monthly and that adds up. If you have enough people that adds up and that helps pay the electric and whatever food you do have to buy. And yeah, it, it helps if, you know, you can donate anything. Even um, we have people occasionally come by and just drop off dog food or cat food or, you know, things like that, blankets and stuff. So that all helps as well. That's, um, I, yeah. Okay. So one thing I want to do is get from you just a list of like physical things that would mm -hmm. be helpful for people to drop off when they have them. And then for the, um, for donations and monthly donations, is there a place on your website? Is it, yeah. is it, can you just go to your website yeah. and like find donate and yep. you could do this like $5 a month or a couple yeah. dollars a month? Yeah. We have okay. PayPal on the website and then we also have, um, Amazon smile, and a list of things that we, we use all the time. So dog, cat, dog and cat food and canned fruits and veggies, that's stuff we go through a lot of. So, yeah. Okay, awesome, bleach. awesome. You know, it's funny, um, what'd you say? Bleach. Was, oh, bleach. <laughs> Cleaning materials, <laughs> paper towels, yeah. Gosh, I could see that, yeah. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Um, 
the this is on kind of a different topic, but you and I had talked about wanting to cover this. Mm-hmm. And um, I know you get a lot of animals that were pets. And a lot of times um, we talked about how people, you know, have to surrender them, right. you know, whether it be financial or they're just not able to take care of them. What about when people pass away or die? Um, I would assume that is a situation as well when a lot of animals don't have a place to go. Right. Is that, yeah. is that something that you see a lot? Um, luckily, we don't see a lot of that with the exotics. Um, we see it more with the domestics. I've had people call and, and try to place house cats with us because their family died or whatever. Um, so I don't see that as much, but that is something that really, really needs to be addressed. Um, our original four monkeys, I, I claimed I'd never have monkeys and now I've got like seven or eight. Um, but our original four came in from a couple that passed away and nobody in the family, of course, was licensed, um, or knew how to handle these animals and all. And, um, so yeah, they came to us and we weren't even supposed to keep them. It was supposed to be a temporary situation. And after what they went through and everything, I'm like, well, they're, they're like foster kids. I don't want them hitting the system and getting divided up because we didn't know which monkeys got along with which and everything. Um, we also got a bird, um, a big cockatoo, Maggie. Um, her name was Magnum when, when it, she came in, but she didn't seem to like that name. And I figured new, new life, new, new name. Um, she, her mother died. Um, and keeping in mind, these birds can live over a hundred years. Her original mom was an old lady and she passed away. Um, she actually had it in the will to go to the daughter, which was a good thing. She made a will. She had it situated. I've got a will. I've got specific people named that can take over everybody in this place. Um, but yeah, the problem was, it was will to the daughter who was afraid of the bird and until the daughter found out about us, um, Maggie or Magnum was locked in a closet type situation because the girl was so afraid and lived that way for about a year. And when she first came in, she did what I call demon talking. Um, she would mumble and she would talk, but it's stuff that she heard through the closed door. It was really creepy. Um, but yeah, so this poor bird, because, you know, the woman did the right thing by putting her in a will, but she willed her to somebody that really couldn't properly care for it and, and was afraid of it. So yeah, it's, it's important to have a will, but have somebody that knows what they're doing and can deal with the situation properly. So, and we get, we get that with snakes and stuff too. Um, like (laughs) that's a very common thing with snakes, kids get snakes and all, and then they go off to college. And they can't take the animal, especially the snakes to college. And then the mom or whoever is stuck with it and does not want to deal with it. So we get, we, that's one of our most common things is, is kids going off to college and the parents not knowing what the heck to do with this animal. So yeah, preparations have to be done for situations like that. That's really interesting. And I feel like we could add it to the stuff we talked about at the beginning, which is when you're thinking about getting Mm-hmm. And an animal, and you know, it's not just an exotic animal, right? It's like a right. dog, a cat, anything. Anything. Um, Have a part plan. Of it should be where can it go? Have a plan. Yeah. 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 I really like that. Um, 
We are going to do a little uh, bonus talk after this, where we're going to get into some of the animals that'll okay. be on a separate episode. But before we finish this, I'm wondering if you could share with everybody one simple idea. So our with Four Animals for Earth, we like to put together simple ideas that people could try in their daily lives to make a difference because a lot of this becomes overwhelming quickly when we're right. talking about helping animals and helping right. the environment. But we like to think that if we're doing things in our daily lives, that can snowball. Right. So I wonder if you can share with us just one simple idea off the top of your head that people could do to make a difference for animals in the environment. Um, um, I can think of a few. Um, you can share them all if yeah. you want. <laughs> um, one one of the things is don't buy fur. Um, be conscious of that. Fur farms, there's no need for them to exist. And these animals live in horrible conditions. Um, excuse me. That's, that's a big thing. Um, also, like makeup and, and different products make sure they're not, they're not using animals, that kind of thing. Like I was, I was surprised a friend of mine was talking about eyelashes, um, metallic eyelashes, like the false eyelashes and all that. A lot of them are mink fur. And that shocked me that I'm like, what? And she says, yeah, didn't you hear about that? I'm like, no, it's, what are you talking about? And yeah. They use mink fur from mink farms. So be conscious wow. of the products you use if possible. Um, recycling, of course, is a good thing. And like I said, um, you know, check out your local sanctuaries and maybe once a month, just, you know, give a gift or, or drop something off, just something, you know, if you've got a store that does BOGOs, maybe, you know, pick up an extra thing and donate it. Something that simple, because a lot of stores these days do BOGOs. And yeah, just start a little maybe pantry and once a month drop off stuff that you've got extra of things like that, simple things like that. So that's such a good idea because I know they are at least in central Florida and I don't know how far public spreads, but I know what a big thing for Publix is yeah. the buy one, get one. Yeah. So what a great idea to just grab that extra. Cause exactly. you know, when I shop, I feel like well, I don't need that. Right, <laughs> you know? So right. it's like, I, I'll just get one because I'm like, I don't want to waste the second one. Right. But what or a great like idea. Or Costco's when you buy bulk and you've got so much of it. Yeah, that's something simple that you can just put aside and drop off occasionally that is a big help to places like mine. So what a great idea. I love that. And on the conscious products front, um, is there, do you know if there's, so obviously fur, don't buy anything right. made of fur that's obviously fur. Right. Um, do you know if there's any way to dig into figuring out if something is made with fur or would you say just, just only choose products where you can go and you can read and they're very clear yeah, with you? Yeah, um, most products you can just look up and it's listed. So yeah, these days with internet and just Google it and everything, most products, yeah, it'll, it'll list the materials. So, okay, good. Yeah. And then obviously on the cruelty free front, you can get like the cruelty right. free, um, stamp, stamp isn't the word I'm looking for, uh, verification right. exactly. is on things as well. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, we've shared so much today and I know that people are going to want to get in touch with you. What is the best way for someone to contact you? 
Um, I recommend calling. <laughs> That's the best way. Uh, I usually don't answer the phone because I do have a set message on there that I want. I want people to hear. Like if somebody has an injured animal, I already tell them where to go and take it. So I don't have to call them back about that and all that. Um, so calling is the best way. Um, you can also reach out through text message. Um, I don't do the email thing because I've got so many, you know, scamming emails and yeah, crazy, crazy junk mail stuff. So I don't do that. But yeah, text message or calling is the so. And um, I don't handle the Facebook page. Two of the volunteers do. Um, sometimes people message through that. But if you want to get a hold of me directly or book a tour, uh, just do the phone call thing for sure. Perfect. Okay. And if anybody wants to get smiles every day, go follow Kristen on Instagram at Care Foundation Florida. She posts some of the funniest things that are going on there on that property. And it, it, I love it. It makes me laugh every day. Yeah. And because I live on property, I love doing it because I know the animals' personalities and I'm around 24 seven. So it's, you know, not unlikely for me to take a picture of lemurs staring in the bedroom window or, famous Amos having a sleepover with another monkey and stuff like that. So yeah, it's kind of funny because I've actually had people message me saying they went, they, they went just to check it out. And then an hour later, they're still going through it and where there's like 20 likes of different things of somebody I've never heard of. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I wasn't going to, I'm, I'm so tech challenged as you know, but um, somebody taught me the basics of Instagram and I actually, I enjoy it. I've got that's how I met these sister sanctuaries. That's how we, they reached me and everything is through Instagram and all that. So it's become quite a helpful tool, even though I hate technology. Um, it, it's been fun for me reaching different people and interacting with different people at other places and seeing how they're doing things and all. So. Yeah, I really love that. And I think that anyone listening is going to fall in love with it too. So go, go over there and follow and check it out. It's not always happy. Like when the cold weather hits, I'm posting thing, but most of the time it's funny and it's happy and yeah. So, but you know what? It, it's, it's, it's real. That's what I like to keep it as real. This is, this is what goes on. I, stuff happens. I mean, yeah. So I try to keep it real. And, and people that um, I've had several people say, yeah, I was thinking of starting something like yours, but I see how, you know, it can get overwhelming, how chaotic and yeah, maybe I should, you know, think this through. And I always say it's better instead of starting your own place and having to deal with all the regulations and all try to try to hook up with somebody that's already doing it that might need the help. So, but yeah, you can see all the, the craziness on my, my Instagram for sure. And that's all for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening and for supporting the show. If you're up for it, ratings and reviews are really helping us right now as a new show. You can do those if you listen on Apple or on Stitcher. Otherwise, the best thing you can do to help is to tell a friend. I really appreciate your help in um, helping us grow this community. Remember that you can always join me live for interviews at foranimalsforearth.com slash live. Just check out that link to see when the next one is scheduled. And if you want to get in touch with me personally, I'd love to hear from you. Come say hi. You can DM me on Instagram at foranimalsforearth. Okay, until next time. Bye.